Hello and welcome to the Goldfish Village podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Mercer, also a realtor with Premier Chicago Real Estate. You can check me out at www.listwithmercer.com or watch some of our episodes at www.goldfishvillage.com. Today, we got a special guest, man. We got a special guest. It was so hard to get on this lady's calendar. Y'all just don't understand all the way from L.A. by way of Philly. I mean, she come from a, a family that owns real estate, mixed-use property all up and down Philly. Went to Loyola College in Maryland, slept on a brother's couch for, for nine months. Started Airbnb just to make extra bread. Now she's in L.A. living for free. Owns a duplex, also an ADU. We're going to get into what. ADUs are, and right now she's actually transitioning to going to real estate full time. So I thought that she was really intriguing because um, I don't really meet many people that can afford or have a, a multi-unit in LA. And we all know LA real estate is, is super expensive. And I really, really like uh, I really like her story. But without further ado, Jasmine Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, yeah, man. So, so let's get into it, man. You you had an Airbnb for six months. Yeah. On a low. On a low. <laughs> before the landlord shut it down. Yes. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. So when I moved to LA back in uh, what was it 2015? I knew I wanted to buy property, um, and but I didn't know how to afford it. And um, so I moved here without a job and I was working for um, an entrepreneur for about six months and I was sleeping on my brother's couch, right? And I was modeling, doing some modeling stuff and some, you know, some extra work, you know, just kind of exploring different things. Um, and after about six months, the, um, the job that I was working, it kind of didn't pan out. So basically like I wasn't getting paid my stipends. Um, so I ended up accumulating some credit card debt, about 30,000 in credit card debt. Wait, wait, you got 30,000 in debt just from, you know, what? Over, over how long a period of time? So this was, it started out where, you know, I was getting the checks every, you know, couple weeks. And then it was, oh, I got to get you. Can you just take care of some things this week? And then I'll get you next week. Right. And then it will be a piece, like part, a portion of the check. And then there will be a promise for it to be next week. Right. So that just oh. kept happening over a while. And at that time, like I was living off of my credit credit cards. Wow. So accumulating just regular living expenses on my credit cards while also not getting paid. So Dang, financing a cheeseburger over, over 20 years, still paying for that cheeseburger. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I knew I wanted to buy property. So, you know, I was like, and I came to LA without credit card debt. I paid it all off. You know, I got my credit score up and now I'm right back in the same position that I started. So I was like, I got to go back to work. Um, so I went back to work as a designer, as a UX designer at Kaiser. Um, and so I was working and I was, you know, back to making good money, but I still wanted to buy a home. And so the money that I was making was paying off my credit cards, but I don't like to do anything slow. And like, once I have a vision, like I like to get, like, I like to get on it. 
And so um, I've been hearing about Airbnbs and how people were doing it in LA. Um, and my boyfriend at the time was really discouraging to that. He was like, no, nah, you don't want to do an Airbnb. You know, like this is, people are going to be in your place. You don't want people all in your place. But my gut was telling me like, this will be a way to make extra money to really tackle this debt. I had over $100,000 in student loan debt and also this credit card debt. And I'm trying to buy a house. How? Mm. You know, so um, long story short, we ended up breaking up. And then when I was, you know, it was just me, I was like, it's time, you know, it's time to make this happen. Um, And so I ended up looking for a place to move because I was in a one bedroom apartment. And so I couldn't really do Airbnb and stay there. I didn't have any place else to go when I was renting it out. So I was like, I have to find another apartment to live in and it needs to be affordable. It needs to be like $800, right? But it also needs to be safe and it needs to be nice, (laughs) right? And um, it needs to have parking, right? So like, even that is like, how am I gonna find that in LA? But Mm. that's what I needed to find. Um, long story short, I ended up finding, um, an apartment that was in Northridge that was in the, um, a back unit of somebody's house. Um, and when I went to check it out, it was already furnished. It had a bed, had a mattress, it, a closet, and it had this little, there was no kitchen, right? Just a microwave and a crock pot. Um, and I ended up, uh, renting that unit. It was $800. It was in like the suburb of Northridge, you know, and I told him, I was like, I want to, I want to buy a house and I'm not bringing any of my furniture here, you know, because I need to set my apartment up as an Airbnb. And so I did, I was, wasn't planning to have a TV or a dining table, any of that, right? Cause I was, the goal was to save money. He ended up saying, no problem. Like I'll get a TV for you. Like I'll get a table for you. Right. Like wow. I love what you're doing like, we can make this work. So I stayed there, ran the Airbnb. I did the cleaning myself for so, a while. So the place that you was Airbnb and you had it, you left it furnished already? I left it furnished. So I was living there for about um, maybe a year before I started the Airbnb. And so I had it already furnished, you know, and I kind of had the Airbnb in mind. So as I was furnishing it, I was furnishing it to be you know, comfortable, not only for myself, but thinking if I ever rent this out, you know, comfortable and, um, you know, spacious and, you know, all of that. So I wanted to leave, all, I just left all the furniture there and I just moved myself so that I could just start the Airbnb right away. So how long, uh, so when you put it on, on Airbnb's website, how did you know how much to charge? I did, I researched a while before. So I looked at other Airbnbs in the area, all right? So you know how you go on Airbnb and you could enter in the place that you're trying to travel to. So that's what I did. At the time I was living in, the apartment was in North Hollywood. So I went in, I put in North Hollywood to see what other Airbnbs were in the area and what did they look like and how much were they charging? Mm. Um, I based my price off of that. So how much How much was your monthly rent? At the, uh... so at the time was 1095. Okay. And then I had um, about another $150 to $200 in utilities. So like cable at the time, um, water, electric, gas, that type of thing. And how much were you able to gross by, with the Airbnb? 
So the highest that I brought in, I believe was like 2,200 one month, 2,200, 2,300 a month. Um, so that left me with like a thousand dollars profit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of modest for some, um, but for me, it was, that money was going directly to my credit cards to pay it off. That was like a big aha moment. Like, wow, man, let's get it. Yes. <laughs> Light bulb went off. Yes. I was like, I need, I work backwards from goals. And so um, I had, like I, I want to say, I can't remember the exact number. I want to say it was around 30,000 in credit card debt that I wanted to pay off in like six months. Right. And so I did 30,000 divided by six months. And that's how much extra I needed to make each month to accelerate this payoffs of these credit cards. How long did it like when you put it on Airbnb, how long did it take somebody to get be interested in in your spot? Uh, It wasn't long. It may have been less than a week. Less than a week. How much how much of a cut does Airbnb take? They take, um, what's their percentage? I don't remember their exact percentage. They do take a percentage, right? But they'll show you when you set it up, they'll show you the percentage that they're going to take and how much you're going to make at the end, mm. right? So you, you weren't worried about nobody like stealing your stuff or, or nothing like that? No, what's great about Airbnb is they have, they have a great like help center, um, and so if there's any damage to your, any of the items that's in your home or in your Airbnb, you can file a complaint or file a ticket, right? About what was damaged, how much it costs, and then they'll reimburse you for that. Um, they'll charge, in some cases, they will charge the guests. Um, and in other cases, then I don't know where that money comes from, right? But they'll, they'll reimburse you for it. Oh, uh, okay. So when you when you were what about staging like did you take into consideration like how your place has to look like in terms of like pictures and stuff like like what what did you do to make to kind of make sure that you had a, a quick turnaround time to to rent it out yeah so i thought about who my um who i wanted my guests to be right so i wanted i was doing monthly stays Right. So I needed a guest that was comfortable, that came in and I just felt comfortable. Right. Ideally, it was either couples or individuals who were in between um, housing or traveling um, professionals. Right. And I wanted it to feel homey and it was a really small spot. And so I didn't want it to feel cramped. Um, I wanted it to be someplace that I you know, like to live, right? Which is how, that's, I am the person I had in mind initially, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As a user experience designer, I think this is kind of where that experience came into play. I'm always thinking about what people will do in the home, right? Or in a space. So at the area, if it's a living room area, I'm thinking about, okay, what will be happening here? They might be watching TV, right? Like, so I'm, I'm placing the furniture so that it is easy to converse and easy to see the television, right? Um, if it's a small space, I'm making sure that the furniture isn't too large, right? Because you too large a furniture in a small space will make it feel like cluttered, right? So I'm making sure that the furniture is sized well. Um, they're going to want to eat, you know what I mean? So I'm making sure that there are uh, wine glasses and regular glasses and plates and cups. If they want to cook, I'm making sure that there's enough um, pots and pans, just like the basic stuff to be able to cook. Um, towels, 
I've, I've researched how to do linens, right? And like how many to have. So what I found is you want to have um, three sets of towels and washcloths for um, per bedroom, right? Um, you want to be mindful of how much you leave out, right? So like if I left a whole, I think I saw online one time, like whatever you leave out is going to get used. So if you leave a whole uh, case of toilet paper in the cabinet or a whole case of um, uh, paper towels in the cabinet, the people are going to use it, right? Uh, so it how many How many to put out? So with so, Airbnb, like anything that's in the house is like fair game. Is it? Is it like, can you say, hey, like, do you leave clothes behind too? Or do you have to no. pack those up? No. I took all of my clothes with me to the other other apartment. Um, and the only thing I left behind were things that guests can use, right? And anything that is available and accessible may be used. You can say and put in your listing that you don't want them to use it, but how can you manage that, right? You can't really control it. Um, so I don't know if you've ever been in an Airbnb, but sometimes if you stay in an Airbnb, you'll find that there's some cabinets that are locked. And that's the reason why, you know, like there's, there's stuff in there. Oh, okay. That, that, makes sense. that makes sense. So, so what about, what about when they leave and clean it? Are you the one that has to stuck with cleaning it? Yeah. So I started out cleaning it myself uh, because just because I'm trying to save money and make the most profit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I still charge the cleaning fee for the amount that I would have paid a cleaner. Um, and it was basically just paying myself, right? And uh, so I. So. How yeah. how how passive is Airbnb? Like, is it is it work? Like, are they calling? Like, if you're doing a <clears throat> having a tenant that's been in there for a month, like, are they hitting you up weekly, or is it just like totally hands off? Mine was mostly hands off. You yeah. know, my first guest stayed for about two months. Um, started out with one month and then they they kept extending <laughs> their stay i think they wanted to stay a third and i ended up having to end it um which we could talk about if we need to but um they didn't really need much from me you know like i left a lot of instructions in the uh airbnb listing for them um i think initially they may have had a question about laundry um, another time they had a question about parking, but other than that, they just kind of existed, you know, and flowed and treated it like their home. Um, the one thing that I learned though, from doing monthly stays is, um, sometimes people don't clean. And so I, my plan initially was to only clean at the end of the stay. Right. Uh, and so for this particular couple, because they extended their stay, um, like an additional month, I didn't get in there until month two, right? And when I went in, there were stains on the uh, on the countertops. Um, there was like, you know, dust will just build up in the corners of the floor. Um, it, there was crumbs everywhere. You know, like there was just there was just stuff everywhere because they didn't really clean. And so I said after that. I'm going to make it a requirement that every two weeks there's a cleaner that comes in if there's monthly stays. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So how did you get to tell me how, like what happened when the landlord found out and how did the landlord find out? Like walk me through that whole process and what that experience was like. 
So I was traveling for work. I was in Oakland at the time. And I had a guest that um, was a young lady that was checking in, right, while I was out of town. Um, And so on Airbnb, you can add a co-host to your listing, right? And so I had a friend of mine um, as the co-host. So she had me um, and she was going to meet my guest in order to let her in to the unit, right? Because this wasn't my... um, because I didn't own the place and because I wasn't supposed to be doing Airbnb, I couldn't leave a lockbox anywhere on the property. So I had to do manual key handoffs. Wow. Right. So she was going to let her in. And when uh, um, the guests ended up arriving early, it was at nighttime. She got there early before my co-host arrived. And so when she got there, she buzzed the um, manager on the buzzer. So the manager comes to the gate and she says, hi, I'm here for an Airbnb. And the manager was like, we don't we don't have any Airbnbs here. Oh, damn. And she was like, yeah, it's apartment seven. Her name is Jasmine. I've been talking to her. I'm supposed to be staying for a week. Like, just blew my whole cover. And right as she was talking to the manager, my co-host arrived um, and called me and was like, no, she didn't call me. The manager called me first. Damn. Right? And so... Um, the manager called and said, Jasmine, um, do you have an Airbnb? Are you running an Airbnb? She and was I was like, like, I'm not knowing English. <laughs> right, like, uh, like, I'm trying not to incriminate myself. So I'm like, um, what do you mean? <laughs> and so she's like, there's someone standing here saying that she's here for an Airbnb. And I said, oh, she's just staying in my uniform a while, you know, like, my friend is coming here to let her in, et cetera. And so she's like, well, she just showed me your Airbnb listing uh, on the app and that's not allowed here. Like I'm, she can't stay here. And I'm like, oh, like panicking on the inside, but trying to stay calm. And I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. And she's like, I'm going to have to like report this. Like she can't stay here. This is not allowed. Um, She has to stay someplace else. And so I said, okay. would let her stay? They would not let her stay. Wow. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I should have just waited. But she was nervous. It was late at night. She was traveling by herself. Um, wow. And she was outside. So that's that's how it happened. And I thought that because I've been such a great tenant <laughs> that they would just let me pass. And when I um, the next day, when I came home, I think it came on the next day or two days later, I had a three-day notice to vacate the premises. Damn, a three-day notice to vacate? Three days. That's, they, that's so they on? All of my furniture in three days. Dang, kicked you to the curb, man. So did you get in trouble with Airbnb? No. Oh, so she didn't trip. Damn. No, she just told the um, the owners of the property. Um, and we had a good relationship. And so she said, you know, if there was another tenant that saw the whole interaction, she was like, if... I would let you pass. You know, you've been great. You never give me any problems. But because there was a witness here, if they tell the owners that and I didn't report it, then I could lose my job. So I was like, you know, I get it. But, you know, I felt like it was supposed to happen that way because I had said to myself, I'm going to give this a shot for six months and Mm. see what. And at the six month mark, I had paid off all my credit card debt. 
And I was like, well, I'll just keep it going, you know, and just stack some more money. I even started to save, like to accumulate a savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'll just keep it going and see, you know, how long I can make money. And right then that six month mark is when it was shut down. And so I was like, well, I guess it's a sign. I said six months and I did it for six months. And now it's time and so to- now you, after that six months, you got to pay bread to get all that stuff out and you put it what in your new spot no i was i was living in like this small small studio right like there was no space for any of that so i ended up having to get storage i had to get a storage unit and move everything into storage and then figure out what the next move was so why why put yourself through this i mean you you in la you by yourself like that's a lot i mean why 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 would you put yourself through all of that to buy a multifamily home in Los Angeles. So, I had a, but that had so, to be a devastating blow to your plans, though. I mean, how do you recover from getting a three-day notice and being a single Black woman in L.A.? Like, how? I mean, did you have any help? Like, what did you do to, how did you land back on your feet? Yeah, so it, it wasn't a devastating blow, only because I had already reached my financial goal. You know, the financial goal at the time was to pay off my credit card debt and to start saving for a home, right? And so by that time, I had done that. I had made the money in order to pay off my credit card debt and I was positioned financially to be able to buy a house. Mm. To me, it wasn't, what was devastating obviously was not being able to keep it going, but I guess the silver lining was me being able to you know, me being positioned to buy a home. I did have help in moving the stuff. My brother lived in a unit right across from me. Um, he actually had started his own Airbnb after seeing my success with it. <laughs> yeah. What about the ex-boyfriend? You call him, he ain't help you? No. Oh, no. man. He didn't know where to be found, huh? Yeah, but he was nowhere to be found. I called my friend, Ev. And I can't remember who else. I think Eb and her wife, Nat, came and helped me uh, pack up and move. My brother helped me pack up and move. Um, and so we, I just had to move real fast, you know? Like, I remember being at work when I, when I um, was trying to move everything because I had another work trip. So I didn't even have three days. I only had two days because I had to fly out again for work. Um, but that's when your tribe comes in, you know, like it's, uh, I feel blessed to have people here that will come and help and support when I need it. And so that's what it was. I, and I was already living in another apartment. So well, having I, I a, feel like a lot of people would have folded right then. I mean, I mean, you talking about you going through, you working for an entrepreneur, your money ain't coming in, right? Sleeping right. on your brother's couch for nine months, you know, racked up all this debt, this credit card debt. Then you yeah. finally see some light. So you move in, you find an $800 space, which is small. It's like 100 square feet. And, and you just got a mattress. And then you rent out this other spot. You know what I'm saying? Trying to hustle up a G a month. And then you got this ex-boyfriend. He ain't trying to, he, he ain't supporting the vision. You know, like what, what right. that hustler mentality, where that mentality come from? You right. You know, my family, my grandma, I think came from my family. You better not give up, baby. Listen, you know, like, I think it's, I've come from a family of really strong, determined men and women, especially the women, right? Mm. So like, we don't look at, it's like, like, as you're saying this, I don't even know if I processed all of the negative, right? I was only focused on the goal, 
Mm. You know? So it was like, all right, boom, that's not working out. Got to pivot. Boom. That's not working out. Got to pivot. Got to mm. get to this. Got to keep moving. Cool. Like I got to, I still got to show up for work. I don't have time to be crying over moving out of this unit. You know, I got to keep it. Time for that, huh? I ain't got time. Like I got to keep it moving. I'm trying to get this house. I had started going to meetups to learn about like, you know, network and figure out, you know, so I'm only focused on moving mm. forward. Trust the process, as they say in Philly. That's Trust it. The process. That's so it. fast forward to now, you live in LA for free. How, how you doing that? Because every man, I got homies out there in LA, they got 1200 foot square foot cribs paying 600 grand. Like, where they, how you living for free? Tell me how you did this. What type of loan? What's up, man? Talk to me. All right. So when I started looking, I knew I wanted a multifamily home. Um, and I needed a place. <laughs> I needed a place for me and my brother to live. Hey, why, because hey, why not? Why not just get a condo? Why not just get a condo? No, I, I so I am my brother's keeper, right? Like I am the oldest. Right. Both of us were living in L.A. and he kept going with his Airbnb and also ended up getting kicked out. Wait, so the brother, was he was he doing an illegal Airbnb, too? Yes. At the same oh, time. man. <laughs> Let me find out this. The Connor family, man, the Connor okay. cartel, man. <laughs> yes. Wait and get this. It was at the same apartment complex. You lying. I'm dead serious. We oh, live. That's crazy. Yeah. So he got kicked out, but he didn't necessarily have a backup plan, right? Mm-hmm. So he just out here staying on his friend's, like, like staying at his friend's house. Um, and so we ended up, so I'm like, I got to find a place not only for me, but also for my brother, right? Mm. But also both for most. Preach now. Huh? I said preach now. Yeah, right. The, the, the other goal, though, is to have an income um, property. Right. Like I could go and get a condo, but then that's not generating income for me. Right. Like I need a place to stay and I also need a place that's generating income. If I get a multifamily, I can live in one unit. Right. While the other units pay for the mortgage. Mm. So kind of accumulate wealth. My whole thing is how do I keep reducing my expenses. One of the biggest expenses that you have in LA is your living expenses, usually your rent, right? And so I had to find a way to reduce my expenses and, and continue to increase my income. We can't just do one, right? Like can't just reduce your living expenses or just increase your income. I was trying to do both. Mm. So that's multi family. Wow. So what year was this you got the multifamily? This was um, 2018. That's when I got 2018. So I would assume that 2018, did you have two years of consistent income at that point? Yes, I did. Okay. You got the, you were working at Google or Kaiser or which, which one? I was at at Kaiser at the time. Okay. Making that bag. Kaiser bag. Okay. Had the rebound (laughs) for the entrepreneurship stuff. So you making that Kaiser bag. And at the same time, you know, you got the knowledge. So the, the light bulb don't went off in, in your head. Like, yo, grandma, grandma, uncle said, yo, man, get you a, get you a property out there. We done taught you how to do this. They never told me that, you know, oh, like, really? nobody thought that, no one thought that I could get a property in LA, right? It's not that they thought that I couldn't, but everyone that I talked to about it was like, LA is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, 
are you sure it's okay if you don't right like like that type of thing or it was like okay that's nice jess right like that type of response so but the drive was i knew i could do it so was it so you in la you get it you 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 looking at you looking for multi-units what's important to you is it more so like i want to find a a property that lives in the right neighborhood? Is it more so like I want to find something like a cash flow? I'm trying to, where I could be safe. Like what is a priority in terms of like as a single black woman, it ain't like you from LA. So you, right. you know, that's, it's one thing to be like in the hood, but you from there. It's another thing to be in the hood. You, you know, 3000 miles away from the crib. Like what yeah. was you, what, what were you prioritizing when you were looking for these multi-units? Yeah, so um, cash flow was important to me, number one, right? Like I need this to be something that is, uh, that I'm making a profit from or generating income from. Being in a good neighborhood was really important to a safe neighborhood because I'm living here, right? I wasn't buying the uh, property as an investor. I was buying it as owner-occupied. Right. So I need to be someplace that I also feel comfortable coming back home to. Um, It also needed to be pretty turnkey. I started out thinking that I wanted a fixer. But as I started to look at fixers, I realized that I didn't feel comfortable living in a fixer and fixing it up at the same time, especially not for my first property. So to be a place that I can move into without having to do like flooring or painting or, you know, a lot of work to it. Wow. Okay. And how how was all of this on your social life though? What's that? How was all of this on your social life? Like, you know, with you being a go-getter and with you really sacrificing your living situation, because you probably could have had more amenities and whatnot, but it seems like you had this idea in your head and you was willing to sacrifice. How, How was that on you? Like, socially so i was living in um northridge during this like the sacrifice year uh and that's pretty far from you know anything la hollywood where a lot of things are happening Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was challenging because nobody likes to come out to northridge (laughs) you know like it's very far Um, and if I was invited to things, it took a while to get there, you know, like it was at least 40 to 50 minutes to get to something that was happening in Glendale or in the Valley, et cetera. Um, luckily though, I had people, I had some really good girlfriends who will come over, you know, or I will go to their house, you know, and I feel like I still did have a good social life. Like I put myself on budget. You know, and so while I was sacrificing in my living, um, in my living arrangement, um, there still was opportunity to go out to eat. Like I made sure I had a, a good enough budget for that because I don't. I like to be able to go out and have a good time, brunch, um, and to take a local trip, like once a month. Mm. So driving to, um, I think that year, me and a friend went to the Grand Canyon. Um, and we went to Santa Barbara, right? Like I started to explore her idea. Actually, I started to explore, um, 
areas locally. So it wasn't like a lot of expenses for airfare and stuff like that, but I still had the opportunity to, to get out of the house, you know, mm. and do my brother's a musician. And so whenever he had a show, that was something to do, you know, and he'll put me on the list so I could go to a show, et cetera, and not spend a lot of money there too. Okay, um, so and to live in a box, I had a little bit extra expense for going out. Okay, that's important. So you bought, so you get a, so you're looking for a multi-unit. What type of, um, what what are multi-units costing that in in that in, in in your sweet spot that makes sense? Like, what price range are you looking at? So I had to look in South LA. Um, those that's the only area where there were multifamilies that were under a million dollars. And so mine was, so mine was listed at 650, right? Um, At the time, others, that was the range that I was in. It was 650, 700. Um, Is that considered like a bargain? Like, ooh, 650. (laughs) Yeah, that's considered good. (laughs) It was considered good at the time. For me, it was like, Oh my God! What? <laughs> right? I'm from Philly. We don't have multifamilies that cost six fifty. Right? It's more in the two to four um, range, even below that. So I was very nervous, but you know, luckily my realtor was able to kind of level set with me and give me a, a sense of how much properties were going for. So the ones that were at 400, 450 range, those were fixers, fixer uppers. Um, and the ones that were like more moving ready was in the six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollar range. Wow. So and your yours is what three units or two? Mine is two units plus a bonus room, that ADU that you referenced at the beginning of the call. Um and, and, and that, what's the ADU? What exactly is the ADU? The ADU is an accessory dwelling unit. So does that have like a kitchen, a bathroom? Yes. Yes. Oh, so it'll have a kitchen, a bathroom, and a living space, right? So space enough for a bedroom. Um, they could be as small as a studio. They could be as large as a two-bedroom apartment. Mm, got you. Okay. All right, so be- let's keep going. So in terms of a, a loan, like what 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 type of loan did you get? Like was it FHA, conventional? Yeah, I did a... I did an FHA loan, um, multifamily homes that are less than four units. So four units or less are still considered like residential is not commercial. Um, so I was able to do an owner occupied um, FHA loan. This was my first loan. So I only had to put 3% down. Maybe I put 4% down. Okay. 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 So that's 4% down. So yeah. that's good. So you you kind of getting in, you know, without with, with putting like around twenty, let's say twenty five grand. Yeah. And we, which is still a lot of money, but for LA, that's like thank you, Lord. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yes. Oh, so you getting in there, and let's say your mortgage is probably about damn, your mortgage is probably like around four grand. If I'm yeah. doing that right, all right. So now, are you calculating like okay, I'm gonna charge? Like, are you looking at what they charge it for rents in the area? Yeah, that was something that I talked to my um, my realtor about, right? And so he kind of gave me some guidance on how much they were charging in the area. There, This particular unit already had a tenant in it, right? And so I had to inherit a tenant. 
uh, in LA, if you want, and I'm, I'm not sure how it is in other states, but um, if you're buying a building with a tenant in it, you would have to pay them to leave if you wanted that unit to be vacant, right? Uh-huh. And it, as much as like $10,000 or more, Whoa. right? So my stipulations were I had to have at least two units free, one for myself and one for my brother. Um, and so this one just happened to have... Um, it had, I think they ended up kicking someone out for me because they had both units filled by the time I signed the contract, right? They kicked one out and they had already, the one that they kept leasing, they were already renting to them at uh, 1850. Whoa. So that was my my baseline. They're already renting one of the units at 1850. That's when I'm gonna start the next rent in. It just made sense. Uh, and then I moved into the ADU. And you moved into the ADU. More sacrifice. More sacrifice. Hey, hey, you know, that sacrifice is real. Though. My, my first building, man, I, I lived in the basement for 10 years. But for the first six months, I didn't even have a kitchen. You know, I just had a bathroom and an air mattress. But yep. I understood the big picture. I was like, hey, I'm living here for free. I got privacy. I'll exactly. worry about everything else later. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, I exactly. already knew I'm ahead of the game. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, yeah, I could stay in some place nicer, but, you know, what's six months? You know what I'm saying? Right. At the end of the day, when I'm trying to I'm trying to get millions here, you know? Exactly. I'm like, I'm focused on the bigger picture. My spot in Northridge did not have a kitchen. I was using a crock pot, and I Wait, met... The spot, the spot that you was Airbnb in? No, the spot that I lived in while I was Airbnb in the other apartment. Right, 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 right. Okay. Did not have a kitchen. Okay. So I was using a crock pot and I met a young black girl who was a chef. She had just moved to LA and she was trying to expand her business. And so I paid her to do meal prep for me. And that helped keep me the budget. And she delivered that cook- African energy. Boy, what tribe you from? You bartering them with everybody. You got that energy. You was like, yo. You're going to do meal prep. We're going to do this. I'm going to get your website popping, you know, like all that. That's crazy. Yeah, it worked out. You know what I mean? Like I needed to put myself on an eating budget, you know, and I didn't have a kitchen to cook. So Damn. you wow. cook, I pay, I stay on the budget. Damn. So you get the crib. Yep. And definitely. now you kind of like stay up for free, give or take probably like a couple hundred dollars, but it ain't nothing crazy. It's like, all right, I'm comfortable my check, my check from work, I'm putting in my pocket. You know, I'm not stressing over like paying two thousand or four thousand dollars a month. What does that feel like when you, when you, like, what does it feel like for you to for you to be from Philly, go to school all the way to West, on the East Coast, move to LA, not knowing nobody. Now you got a situation where you own a crib, you living for free, been through everything you've been through. How does it feel to get the keys? I mean, I can't even, I can get emotional. I can't even describe the feeling, right? Like it was something that I wanted for a long time. I had started trying to buy property back in Philly and it just wasn't working out. And I was wholesaling. It wasn't working out, right? Man, taking um, L's. Yeah. Taking L's. Take it, and you still ain't give up. It, don't, it didn't just happen. Yeah, I had been trying, you know. You and moved the, out in LA. What year you moving to LA? I moved to LA in 2015. And then you bought the crib when? 2018. Man. Man. Look at God. Look at God. (laughs) That's how it was. It felt amazing 
to get to to get a property that had outdoor space, right? Mm. And that's also rare, right? Mm. To have a place that my brother can stay. I had experienced people having to leave LA the whole year prior because rents were going up. Mm. Landlords were kicking people out, right? Oh. And I'm like, what? either my, neither my brother and I to have to leave because rent is too high. Like I need to control that, mm. you know, so a place my brother could stay to have a place that I could stay, um, to reduce my living expenses. Mm. I was tired. Mm. You know, I was like, I feel like I'm going to need a break too at some point. So I need to be in a position where if I need to take off, I can take off and not have to worry about rent or wow. mortgage. You know, so it just, it felt amazing. It felt amazing. And then we go through the pandemic. Yeah. Part in 2018. Yeah. We see astronomical appreciation. Yeah. LA already expensive. Yeah. You bought the crib for 650. It's close to say it's probably worth a million dollars. No, no, no. I did not buy it for 650. It was listed at 650. I had it appraised. It appraised for 600 and I told them I would not pay a penny over 600. Mm. And so I ended up getting it for 600. That's that's dope. Like, and, yeah. and so now it's probably worth at least 900 a million, you know what I'm saying, just because of the housing shortage and everything else that we went through over this last 2 years. So when you look back at that journey because you had people that was like naysayers and you had to really step out on faith. I mean, yeah. now, I mean, what, what type of tenants? Are you still Airbnb in? What type of tenants do you have in there now? So um, I've moved on up <laughs> into the two-bedroom apartment. So the duplex, um, both sides have two-bed, one-and-a-half bath. Um, I live in one of the two, one of the sides of the duplex, the two-bed, one-and-a-half bath. Um, my other tenants are a family. Um, they don't know that I'm the landlord. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> they're a family of um there's a husband and wife there's two kids and then the husband's brother lives there um and then the back unit the adu uh, i have a friend that's that rents from me month to month so how do they not know that you're the landlord tell me like how do you pull that off so i got some um i sought out some advice before i bought the property since i was going to be living in it um i'm a young woman i was 33 at the time um you know, not from LA. Uh, and I got advice from another black, uh, landlord, female landlord who recommended to not share that information. Um, and so when I moved in here, I said that I was the property manager. And so, uh, that they could come to me if they had any questions, et cetera. And if they had questions, um, that I didn't have an immediate answer for, I would say, let me let me talk to the landlord and get back to you. <laughs> um, and I did that because I wanted to create some space for myself. Like I knew that there would be a lot that I didn't know. Mm. Um, I needed space to be able to go and research the answer or figure it out, you know, and not feel the pressure of being the person, you know? Mm. I also wanted to get their authentic reactions, right? So if, if they were frustrated about a thing, it's easier for them to say, why doesn't, why, why isn't there a hose here? Or why isn't this, you know, they'll, they'll say that to me. So then I know what I need mm. to pivot um, mm. as a, if I was the landlord. Man, now you're, you're a full-fledged businesswoman. You in it. I mean, you got the Airbnb experience, you got tenants, you got outdoor space. Um, 
the light bulb at this point is all the way off. And then, you know, you, you we we all all landlords got blessed this year when in, in terms of appreciation. Now, some people, you know, did have tenants that didn't they weren't paying rent. Did you go through that at all where a tenant weren't wasn't paying rent? Um, I had tenants that were behind on rent, that were not paying. So I have how, really good... how do you handle stuff like that? So um, at the end of 2020, I was working for Google. I had moved back here to LA. I was working for Google um, and managing this place by myself. And it became a lot. Uh, and so I ended up hiring a property manager, mm. um, which you know many people wouldn't do if they're just doing you know, just units, right. Mm. But it was a lot for me. So I property manager and they have been helpful in, um, negotiations about late rent. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's dope. Now what, what if you found out one of your tenants was Airbnb? How would you handle that? Oh, I never thought about that. (laughs) That Question. So, Hmm. I think there's a like I feel you. <laughs> uh, <right>. However, however, <laughs> right, man. There's there's part of me that will want to work out um, a deal, right? I like win-win situations. So maybe I would figure out a lease agreement where they would pay a higher rent, right, and. Um, be allowed to Airbnb, but they would be responsible for certain things. Like if there's damage that's done, they would be responsible to the walls, right? To the floors, like you would be responsible for paying that. Mm. Um, and I would have to get some type of kickback or like higher rent as mm. a result of it. I feel you. So yeah. your tenants that you have now with did you did you bring these tenants in yourself or were they holdovers? I mean, were they people that were already there when you bought the place? Yeah, the the tenant, the family that's on the other side of the duplex, I inherited them. They were here when I bought the place. Um, they've so they've been here for you know almost five years now, um, and they've been great. The um, tenant that is in the back unit, she's a friend. And so um, when I moved up here, I was planning to Airbnb that unit. Um, and she happened to be in town, needed a place to stay for a week. And so I was like, yeah, you can, you know, stay back there for a week. I was about to put it on Airbnb anyway. Um, and that week has turned into almost six months. Wow. So so the ADU, how much are you able to rent that out for? 2000 Damn. And then... The other unit, how much are you able to rent that out for? So that unit is $1,975. It's a little lower because this is rent control, right? I'm in a rent control area. So I can only raise the rent a maximum of 3% per year. Mm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You said, you know, that's that. (laughs) Damn. What'd you say? I said, I said, you got that memorized. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, but look, so look, let's say you got to get 2000 and then 1975. So if we multiply that times the four years you don't own the place, that's, that's $190,000 that they are poured into your net worth. When I say a number like that to you, I mean, 
I ain't saying this. We, we know that it's not 100% passive and it ain't easy, but this is 190 grand that they've given towards your net worth, towards your lifestyle over a four-year period. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's like they're paying my mortgage. Yeah. That's you know? Nuts. That's yeah. nuts. And and this is only the beginning, right? Yes. Oh my God, yes. I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm actively looking for places now. Uh, in LA, I'm looking for another place to Airbnb uh, near Inglewood to capitalize off of the new stadium being there. Mm. Uh, and also looking for another investment property. I actually uh, met with a realtor yesterday um, and he's going to be sending me some fixer uppers. I might get into the flip business and start you know, flipping houses. I've wanted to do that for a while. Um, and seeing how much flippers are making off of not even doing great work and using subpar materials, mm-hmm. um, I, I know I could get in there and, and create something nice. That's what's up, man. So what what advice would you have to someone that's, you know, with similar background as you that you might be kind of scared, but really has this vision, but they don't know how to get started? Like what, you know, they want to get a multi-unit or they want to move to LA or some other place and they want to get into real estate. What what, what advice do you have for somebody? I think, first of all, um, you have to start surrounding yourself with it, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean physically with you know other people who are in it, because that might not be possible. But um, one of the things that was really helpful for me was websites and podcasts like Bigger Pockets mm. um, or going to YouTube and finding other investors that have podcasts. Listening to other people's stories and the different challenges they've worked around or how they've house hacked like I'm doing, right? It helps to get you creative and to see the opportunities and the various challenges that'll come up in your path. Um, And it'll start to give you ideas on, okay, maybe I wanna be in this city or maybe I want this type of property, right? So that would be the biggest thing, just start learning about it, start listening to other people's stories, and then a, a plan will start to materialize. I love it, man. So so what's what's next for you, Jasmine? So I want to get my real estate license mm-hmm. at this point. Um, you know, I love helping people, but I also just love real estate. I like going to open houses. I like seeing properties. Um, and I would just love to help more people get their first property, you know, especially our people. Um, so I'm studying for my real estate license. I also would like more properties of my own. Um, and so I am actively looking for the next investment. Um, and I'll probably add a couple Airbnbs as well. I love it. I love it. Man, Jasmine, you've been a, a great guest. I learned so much. Story is so, so inspirational, man. Anything you need, let me know. I got you. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to witnessing the journey. And uh, for to watch the rest of this show or watch any other shows, make sure you go to www.gofishvillage.com. If you're looking for help with a multi-unit, single family, want to sell your home, holler at your boy. Call me 773-426-1626 or just go to www.listwithmercer.com. Man, thanks, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. Sure.